0: Hey guys, welcome back to Mountain Murders.
1: I'm Heather,
0: and I'm Dylan.
1: We are the Packers.
0: We're the Packers. <laughs> <laughs> I know.
1: So we've been married well over a year, and only a couple of days ago did I finally go to the DMV and officially change my name on my driver's license.
0: Well, nobody's dying to get down to the DMV. Let's be honest.
1: No, that yeah. is like the worst place. It's a soul sucking
0: place. Could you? I understand why those people are kind of assholeish. Because the energy in those are just terrible.
1: Well, you walk in and it's like the most bland room possible with the most uncomfortable seats. Yes. I feel like you're in an institution or you're locked in like a jail cell. No,
0: that's almost. what that's what it feels like to me. It feels like jail. Like it's everything's made to be uncomfortable. Yes. They don't, you shouldn't want to be here.
1: Hi, we want to give you the most miserable experience possible.
0: Yes. And, and by the way, that's going to come with a $50 fee.
1: Yes. Well, you know, it's great now because you can do a lot of the DMV stuff online. That's so it's true. super convenient. You don't have to go in there. But then some things, like changing your name, you have to go and produce like 100 documents before they will give you a new ID.
0: Yeah, fucking DMV. So I changed
1: all my social security card, but then I had not changed my license. So I'm officially finally like your wife, I guess.
0: Yeah, you're a packer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well.
0: Welcome to the family.
1: Yeah, so now you have our names, and I guess you guys can stalk us if you oh,
0: want. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Now
1: our fans will truly know who we are. We are no longer semi-anonymous, Dylan. Well,
0: that's fine. They're either going to mistop Parker or Packard in, so it, it'll be okay. I know.
1: Everybody calls you Parker.
0: The woman did it at the DMV.
1: I know. It's funny.
0: I was like, well, oh, it's Packard, actually, and she looks down where I wrote my name. She's like, oh, it is. I'm, I'm sorry. I was like, "It's okay. I've got that all my life.
1: More exciting news. We booked another live show
0: oh my god it's kind of quick we were kind of thinking about waiting a little bit
1: well our friends at model face comedy which is based out of asheville north carolina they helped produce our last show and melissa is fantastic she owns model face she books great comedians to come through town if you're in asheville and you love comedy Check out Model Face Comedy. They have so many fantastic events.
0: Do she get some big names she through She really does. Yeah. It's
1: Bobcat Goldway and, like, comedians who've been on Comedy Central and yeah had special. I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah, she's awesome. So she's a great asset. We are so lucky to have her around. She booked us another show at Fleetwoods. They want to have us back, Dylan.
0: I guess that's a good sign, right?
1: Now, it's a few months down the road, which is fantastic because that gives us a great opportunity To hone in on our live show, yes, we were kind of fumbling in the dark a little bit on the first one. And I'll be the first to admit that. Now, I have been a performer pretty much my whole life. Right. I mean, I've done stand-up. I've been a burlesque performer. I've been a show producer. I've done it all. She's done a lot of stuff. I have. I've been an MC, So, you know, being in front of a crowd is like nothing new to me. And it's funny because if you meet me, I'm a little antisocial. I'm somewhat of an introvert, right? But, but I'm the most extroverted introvert you'll ever meet. Is yeah. that not true, Dylan? People
0: won't know it. I, I, almost every time I, when I've seen you do a show or want to go on stage, you're very nervous about it, you're, but put a damn mic in your hand, kick you out there on the stage, and you blossom.
1: It's true. I mean, I do feel like I'm a natural performer, Yes, even though it gives me anxiety.
0: But I haven't. Yeah, but I but haven't. But you
1: haven't. No. And so it was a brand new experience for you. But you seemed very comfortable And the audience. Well, I must admit, they fucking loved you because you're funny.
0: Oh, I did. So I did okay.
1: People were laughing at you.
0: Okay, but so that's a new experience. Now, for me, whether that. they were
1: laughing with you yeah. or at you, I'm not sure, but yeah. they were definitely laughing at you.
0: That part doesn't matter. No. As long as they're laughing. But saying my dumb Dylan things, your and Dylanisms, ha- and having people. React instantly. It was uh, amazing. Yes, so it was wonderful. No, I I
1: really would like us to maybe take the show on the road. I mean, I feel very fortunate that we can do local shows here in Western North Carolina, and we always will. Nashville, I'm sure, of course, right. But I know we have fans all over the place. It'd be fun to get into Tennessee, Virginia, Georgia, South Carolina, yeah, Kentucky.
0: I think the potential's there. So
1: I think there might be some potential for like a little mini tour.
0: Okay, and I want uh, Mountain Murders fans to fill the room. Yeah, that's true. Our first live show, listeners. we
1: had a few listeners, a lot of people who'd never heard the podcast. They just saw the event, thought it sounded cool, came out, which was wonderful. We appreciate those people. Oh, yeah. But it would be great to have some true Mountain Murders fans in the audience. We had some. Because are people who know us. They know how quirky and dorky and weird we are. Right. And how we just say ridiculous things. And yes. our dynamic which is basically me just giving the look like mm. I'm your mom. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. And that's me withdrawing my foot from my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what else are we going to dig into? Well, we
1: do have this live show coming up. We do have the event posted on our Facebook page already. Now it is in May, so that gives you some time to plan, get a ticket. We'll be hyping it up as time goes on, but it is here in the near future, a couple months away. So make sure that you check that out. Mountain Murder second live show. Pretty exciting. We have a wonderful case today. I think it's really interesting. Are you ready to get started?
0: I'm more than ready. Or did you
1: have something else to say?
0: Well, I was going to say there in the end, during this first live event, we had a lot of people scrambling around reaching out to us. Is there any way I can get a ticket? So I would suggest if you want to go at all, you might want to do that early. That's all I'm going to say. Because I want to see a room full of our Mountain Murders family, and we going to have a big old fun time, and then we'll have a big craft beer afterwards.
1: And we have these fantastic Mountain Murders t-shirts. You're wearing one right now. And by the way, you look so handsome. Oh, yeah? I'm reminded of why I married you. Ooh. You big, beautiful man, you. Ooh. Yeah.
0: Big, big, BBM.
1: big beautiful belly man.
0: Ooh. Wow. Hey, that's I a triple it. BM. I
1: know. What can I say? It's very appealing to me. Okay. So you're wearing this t-shirt, is where I was going with this. We have T-shirts available. If you're a Mountain Murders fan and you want to get a T-shirt, we have a gray, black, and a light gray. Yes. Still available. We do. You can reach out to us through our social media accounts. If you want to find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, let us know you want a T-shirt. We accept PayPal and Venmo, and I will be glad to ship one of these fantastic Mountain Murders T-shirts to you. We also have some stickers for sale. If you order a T-shirt, I'll throw in a sticker.
0: Yeah, and we also accept gold bouillon. Is that a thing? Do we? Yeah, don't we take pure gold for the shirts?
1: And I was going to say, what are you going to tell people? We'll ask, gas, or grass, and they can have a shirt?
0: <laughs> so if you've recovered any sunken <laughs> treasure of, of late, we accept those as well. Ancient Persian coins.
1: Let's get into this case, because it is so interesting. Okay. We haven't talked about or discussed a serial killer in a while.
0: Oh, okay. So we're doing this that is one.
1: This an interesting serial killer case. Yeah,
0: you were totally jazzed when you found this.
1: I know, because it's so strange. Okay. Let's get into it. Mm. Robert Eugene Brasher was born to duelist and Nellie Brasher's in Newport News, Virginia on March 13th, 1958. I used to live in the Hampton Roads area. Newport News, Virginia, big military area. You've got Norfolk right there, shipyards. A lot of people who live in that area work in the um, field of you know they're either in the military or they work
0: for the military at the
1: shipyards yeah. the navy yards they work on boats
0: so the shipyard is that where they like repair and make new ships and things yes oh god i bet that's incredible it's
1: fascinating to watch i, I love to using see the word fascinating but it is it's very interesting yes. Um being in the navy there was a time when the ship i was stationed on was in the shipyards. we're getting a bunch of repairs and Work was underway, and it's just really interesting to see how they work on these giant ships. cranes, scaffolding.
0: Right. It's just really cool. I'm amazed by that big equipment.
1: Well, Robert's father was a veteran of World War II in Korea. His mother worked for the Woolco department stores. Brashers had a sister who was a a one-year-old sister named Deborah, and she died when he was a child. And from what I understand this, impacted him pretty greatly to lose his baby sister
0: well yeah that could be hard i'm sure
1: honestly not much else is really known about his early life or his teenage years i tried to do my deep dive into his background couldn't find a ton of information i know at some point he lived in new orleans louisiana and i did find a link where he was a college student in new orleans in that area but I didn't find a whole lot about what he was studying.
0: But you know he was there for a time. He was. Okay. it
1: seems like he kind of bounced around throughout the Southeast for much of his life. Okay. On November 5th, 1985, Brashers was convicted of the brutal beating and shooting of a Port St. Lucie woman. Is that how I say that? Is it Port St. Lucie or Port St. Lucie? It's in Florida.
0: I don't know. It's probably Lucia. I don't know.
1: Yeah, maybe. Her name was Michelle Wilkerson, and if you're from Florida and you want to correct me, please scold me and tell me how I fucked up. Or
0: just let us know how bad <laughs> she fucked it up.
1: Michelle Wilkerson. Wilkerson crawled through a mud-filled culvert after being shot to escape her assailant. Here's what happened. On the day of the shooting, Wilkerson was walking through town. She accepted a ride from Brashers. Brashers took her outside of town with sex on his mind.
0: Oh, God. So
1: this is what happens a lot of times. You hear these stories about hitchhikers. They're walking. They're hitchhiking. They get picked up, especially when it comes to females.
0: Yeah, unfortunately. They get
1: get picked up. They're thinking they're going to get a ride. And then the person who's picking them up and offering the ride often thinks there's going to be some sex exchanged. Or that these women are prostitutes because right. they're walking.
0: Yeah. And I say that happens more often than not to a a, a, a woman, especially when she's by herself. Right. But most guys are going to, they may be a douchey about it and say it. And she's like, oh, hell no. And he's just going to be disappointed. And he's being an asshole, let's be honest. But he's just going to be like, okay, whatever. you know, And angrily drive her to wherever she wants to go. Or tell her to get the hell out. Most people aren't going to kill you, I guess is what I'm trying to say.
1: Right. So when they get outside of town and he's got sex on the brain, he tries to put the moves on her, I guess, and she rejects his advances. I mean, this was not what she had in mind when she accepted the ride. She thought she was just getting a ride.
0: Every woman walking down the road not a prostitute, y'all.
1: He pulled out a gun and shot her at close range.
0: Oh, my God.
1: She managed to crawl through this culvert to this empty house that was used as an office, there was a payphone, and she called 911. She was able to describe Brasher's and his truck, though she was shot, like, in the head.
0: Oh, my God, point blank.
1: Blood everywhere. I mean, law enforcement said when they arrived on the scene, and found this poor woman. I mean, she's just bleeding. She's dizzy. She's almost getting to a point where she's a little bit incoherent. She's in shock.
0: Oh, my God, crawling through that muddy culvert, making it over to this house where... You know, there's a phone. I mean, that sounds like something out of a movie.
1: He was found later the same evening um, at a beach, Frederick Douglass Beach, and he was discovered because he had his truck stuck in the sand. Ah. And so cops were able to find him, arrest him. He was sentenced to 15 years in prison, but only served three and a half, and was released in 1989. And what you're going to find with this story is that it, the criminal justice system failed multiple times with this guy.
0: Yeah. We were watching that the other day about that story, and because of overcrowding, someone sentenced to murder and multiple violent things is let yeah, out after Yeah, we were watching
1: a true years. crime show yeah. about a guy who...
0: So you let one, the murderers out first? They let them out
1: within just a couple of years because of overcrowding.
0: Yeah, here's the idea: get all the people out that's got nonviolent drug offenses. Let's let those people out first, not let, the murderers. Let
1: the potheads free. we not
0: the murderers, rapists, arson. You know, people that kill, well, people, people that hurt dangerous. children,
1: people who are a danger to society. Yes, people that hurt children. Those criminals oh. do not need to be. Paroled. No. They do not.
0: No. And if you do, it's at the very last. And let's be honest, that's a small segment of the prison population. You know, murder, rape. I, I'm okay, I'm guessing I could be wrong here. But yeah, let them out last. People that hurt kids, people that hurt women, people that kill people.
1: After his release from Florida from the prison, he returned to Arkansas where his wife and children were living. He was a married man, he had a wife and kids.
0: <sighs> you. Yeah. Damn, that's just crazy. Just pull a gun out and shoot someone point blank because they won't give you sex because they don't even know you. I mean, that's just sick.
1: Now, his daughter, Deborah, she's an adult now. She's spoken out in recent interviews in the last couple of years about her dad offering up some insight into her childhood. She said Brashers returned from prison and assumed the role of father. She said, by all accounts, he was a pretty good dad with the exception of his alcoholism. He was a drinker. He lost his temper a few times with his girls, with his daughters. His daughter said he lost his temper one time and beat her because she swallowed a penny. Now, she says she only really witnessed about three violent outbursts from him. Right. When he was around. It wasn't like this is a man who was constantly beating his wife, beating his kids, lashing out. But the few times he did lose his temper. I mean, it wasn't good.
0: Right. It sounds like one of those guys who's maybe able to kind of segment or compartmentalize his family life away from the shit he does to people out, you know, outside the family home.
1: Deborah recalled in another incident where Brasher's dragged another daughter out of the room by her hair and a
0: finger. Yeah. That's Not good. A, that's a little mud.
1: He owned a construction business, which explained his disappearances or his absences, because he would disappear for weeks at a time and would claim he was traveling for work. And again, this is how he's going to be all over the Southeast throughout the story. And this is how he is able to do that. This is his cover. Okay. Under the guise of, I'm doing construction work. Deborah said he had business dealings. They seemed legit. He was making money, He's bringing, bringing money, money home. Money in. okay. And he had business cards. And in her child's view, she thought this meant they were rich. Oh. As a little kid.
0: Well, yeah. If like, you're, oh, if...
1: My dad's got a fancy business card. Well, we my... must be
0: rich. Yeah. If, yeah, if I grew up, my dad owned a business, or my mom owned a business, I would think we was fucking rich. Hell, I thought you was rich if you had skylights and a damn washer and dryer at your house growing up.
1: I thought you were rich if you lived in a house that wasn't in a trailer park.
0: <laughs> That's a good sign right there.
1: If you if you didn't own or if you didn't rent and you owned a home, oh shit! I thought you were super rich. Ooh, the
0: Beaumonts! I'm going to visit the Beaumonts. I mean,
1: hey, we grew up poor.
0: <laughs> we're
1: we're not afraid of where, to admit where we came from. Damn,
0: your crotch is a little higher than mine. If you had indoor plumbing and you didn't have to kill your damn meat to eat it, you was rich.
1: Hey, now we did have to do that sometimes.
0: Hey, that's smart.
1: Well, my daddy liked to hunt.
0: At least you know where it comes from.
1: Got a lot of venison in my childhood. Okay. (laughs) However, his relationship with his wife was not always good. And there were times when his wife would tell the children, make sure your dad doesn't leave the house today.
0: Or let her know if he does. Because they can't stop him. Well,
1: because he, you know, his behavior just was so off sometimes. And he was an alcoholic and he could be violent. Yeah, and she would tell the girls, "When I go to work, make sure your dad doesn't leave the house today." Okay, which is unusual. Well, yeah, to feel that way about well, your yeah, husband. You put
0: pressure on your children as well.
1: At some point, you know, his wife leaves him. He did exhibit some violent behavior with her. Once he left a goose egg on her head, like a big knot.
0: Oh, I thought. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you meant a literal goose egg. I was like, "What?" Did he tell her not to move?
1: Yeah, he laid an egg on her head. To yeah, Don't
0: told her to stay there.
1: It was just like uh, in Jack and the Beanstalk or something. Okay,
0: that's not funny, though. He golden
1: Goose, he just laid a big he egg. He yeah.
0: hit her very hard to yeah. leave a mark like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, a goose egg, you have to really
0: that's a significant impact.
1: pop somebody yes. to get one of those knots on the head. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what you get if you get hit with like a door or,
0: or an object,
1: baseball bat. Right. I mean, to get popped with a fist and get one of those, that's a pretty hard hit.
0: It is. It's horrible.
1: He also hit and beat up his wife's new man Ah. when she left him and she got a boyfriend. He attacked that guy and hit him with a drill in the head.
0: Oh, shit.
1: His mother-in-law often called him the devil and would say to her daughter, you let the devil in when you met this man. Oh, my God. So mama don't like him. And that's never a good sign. He certainly had a mean streak. But Brashers was living a double life, as many serial killers will do. We've seen this time and time again. BTK is a perfect example of a serial killer who is seemingly normal, yep. family man, yep. member of the community. A pillar of
0: the community. Oh, he's such a dick.
1: Church going. Yeah. But then is committing these horrific
0: Kaklinsky, the Ice Man.
1: The Ice Man. Another John Wayne example. Gacy. John Wayne Gacy. Another one. Pillar yeah. of the community, Poli- you know—politically involved in a small town. Right. A fucking birthday clown. Bondi. Yeah. In a
0: lot of ways, he was part of the political scene. You know, his some of his pre-pre early girlfriends, you know, loved him to death. He's cute and charming in his weird caterpillar eyebrow way.
1: But we see this time and time again: serial killers hiding in plain sight, posing as Normal members of the community, family man, but then they're also leading this criminal life.
0: It's like they can release that rage on one of their victims and kind of purge themselves for a while, you know? And then they go back to their fake, I mean, it's all fake in their minds, the emotion and being normal, but they're just acting in that part. And then until it builds up again, and then boom, they go release release that rage on a victim again.
1: When Deborah Brasher's clout was seven years old, She was in a motel room with her father and other family members. The family had been staying at this motel when police noticed a stolen tag on a vehicle in the parking lot. A four-hour standoff ensues with Robert Brasher finally negotiating the release of his family. And this is in Kennett, Missouri. Upon releasing his family to law enforcement, Brasher took his own life, dying several days later in the hospital. Oh, shit. Shot himself. He had active warrants for his arrest stemming from a 1998 incident. We'll get into that here in a minute. Kills himself, has served the one stint in prison, but has been leading this double life. Family has no idea what he's really been up to. And I'm about to tell
0: y'all. Oh, my God. I'm kind of surprised that he's already dead in the story. Okay.
1: Genevieve... Jenny Zatricky, she was known as Jenny, was a 28-year-old divorcee living in Greenville, South Carolina. She moved to South Carolina from Ohio three years earlier. And this story takes place in the early nineties. I believe this was in ninety-one. She was a program analyst with Michelin. You mean Michelin tire? They have a big plant. Yeah. Down in South Carolina. That's
0: always been big in that area.
1: Zatricky was described as a very active young woman. She was called the life of the party. She was a really pretty brunette. Her hobbies included fishing, and she was a huge Cleveland Browns fan.
0: Oh, sounds like a really good girl. (laughs) She lived
1: alone at Hidden Lake Apartments. On her last night alive, she spent the evening doing something she enjoyed. Now, this story actually takes place in 1990. I stand corrected. I said 91. She was having drinks with friends. She was going to be in a wedding the following Saturday, but some friends had gathered on this Particular Tuesday evening to kind of pre game a bit, like okay. ahead of this wedding celebration. Yeah. Kind of last hurrah. Not quite like a bachelorette party. No, just like all just the friends
0: getting together. Everybody
1: getting together, drinking, socializing. We've got this wedding this weekend we're looking forward to. Before she retired to bed at her place, she talked on the phone with a girlfriend for maybe about 30 minutes. And that's the last person to have spoken to her. Okay. When Zitricky was sleeping, Brasher somehow gained entry through a sliding glass patio door and attacked her in what the FBI would later call a blitz
0: attack. Okay.
1: She was found on April 6, 1990. She died of a blunt force trauma and strangulation. Her body was left floating in the bathtub. A pair of pantyhose were tied around her neck and her body was placed in this bathtub so that water from the spout was running between her legs
0: okay that's fucking weird it's a really
1: strange positioning yeah. now i'm like is this a some kind of weird sexual thing or humiliation like he wants a lot of times serial killers will leave their female victims posed in some way Degrading. that's very humiliating right Spread eagle Nude. or some kind of thing like that. Yeah. Or was he doing this with the water so that maybe there wouldn't be evidence
0: oh, left behind? Think of that. I don't know. Yeah, that's pretty weird. Any way you look at it, because take, she had
1: also been sexually assaulted.
0: To take that time to do, you know what I mean? To do take that time and do that shows some confidence on his part as to what he's doing.
1: an autopsy revealed she had been dead for two days. Co-workers had called the maintenance person at her apartment to check on her because she didn't show up for work. This was very unlike her. They couldn't reach her by phone. Naturally, they're concerned and they think, okay, well, we'll call the apartment building and we'll have someone go check on her. This maintenance worker, you know, got the key, goes to the apartment and finds her dead.
0: That's a gruesome scene, I bet.
1: No one had seen her since April 4th. That was the Tuesday night that she had been hanging out with friends drinking, chilling, just kicking it. Medical examiners concluded she had died early April 5th. Sometime, probably in the early morning hours of April 5th, Brasher's broke into her place. Her case remained unsolved for years. Wow. This was a huge cold case in Greenville for years and years and years.
0: Well, people are going to remember a woman being brutally murdered and, and left like that. That's kind to of be seared in your mind, you know, and never solved. Right. Yeah. So
1: over 150 people were fingerprinted. Her family even offered an an award, a reward, (laughs) with no success. For years, this family has no answers. Police exhausted every lead, fingerprints. They were really trying to crack this case. Shortly after, so we've got, you know, what, maybe two years passed? Yeah. That's a short period. February 1992. Brashers was arrested in Cobb County, Georgia, for possession of a stolen pistol and a stolen vehicle. He also had in his possession a police scanner, a police jacket, burglary tools, and a fake Tennessee driver's license.
0: Oh my god.
1: He was sentenced on those charges, was given a five year sentence, and served that in a Georgia prison. He was released in February of 1997. So as you can see, He's going to prison, gets out, goes back to doing the same shit, gets called again in Georgia after he's murdered this woman, burglary tools, a police jacket.
0: Oh, yeah, that's not good. No. No, yeah, he's, I mean, those are those are items to get control of someone, break into their house, sneak into their house. Yeah, that's just, uh, yeah, that's not good at all. And I'm sure investigators were like, what the hell? When they found that on him.
1: On March 11th, so just a few weeks after his release from prison, gets out February of 97, March 11th, 1997. That guy's only seen the light of day for just a couple of weeks.
0: Well, this has been built up in him. He's been dying to do it.
1: He enters a house in Memphis, Tennessee, now, we don't have the victim's name because she was only 14 years old at the time. Oh, my God. She was staying at a house with four other people. When this man knocks on the door, this woman of the house, I believe she was in her 40s, and she's there with this 14-year-old, her kid's like a nine-month-old baby, goes to answer the door. He pulls a gun, pushes his way into the house, somehow manages to control five people in this home. And sexually assaults the 14 year old girl.
0: Jesus Christ. You know, they're probably just a bunch of young people and, and kids and this woman. So yes. they're scared to death.
1: And from what I could gather, the kids in the house, there were several teenagers, I think maybe a 17 year old, 14, but they're kids. They were all getting ready, like changing clothes and getting ready to go someplace. And you know the woman of the house is very concerned when this happens because she's got this nine-month-old baby. Yeah. And she's really worried about that. But he manages to come in somehow, get control of all of these people, and rapes this fourteen-year-old girl.
0: Oh shit! I gotta. I'd have to make a move. I know, right? Even as a 14, 15-year-old boy.
1: Well, you know, I mean, we all say that. Yeah, it's I know. It's easy to say what we would do. It is. But...
0: Until you're in it.
1: When you're in these situations... You
0: don't know what to do.
1: No, and especially if you're a woman in the home, you don't have a weapon, you've got no. kids in the house. You're right. A baby.
0: Yeah. It's like you said, it's easy to, oh my God, I should have, I would have done this and that. And until you're in that situation, because he could easily if just have all you guys in the corner of a room have her over here, have the gun handy. That's hard to damn make him, you know, it's hard to get anything going out of that. Right. Because, you know, he could easily just grab the gun and shoot her and shoot, yeah. So, that's terrifying.
1: Very scary. Oh, my God. Another heinous crime came March 28, 1998, when Brashers broke into the home of Sherry Shearer. Shearer was a 38-year-old wife and mother. Her husband, Tony, and their son, Stephen, were out working in the fields. They're a farm family. They live on a farm. They own a lot of farmland. And they're in Portageville, Missouri. They're out working in the field. They come home from a long day of work. It's a Saturday evening. They find Sherry and 12-year-old Megan shot to death.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Megan had also been sexually assaulted. Police found no forced entry into the house. The community was stunned. This is a very small farming community. Everybody knows everybody. I guarantee it. This is just not the kind of thing that happened. And these people were just blown away. like, heartbreaking. Megan was a really talented basketball player. She was a great student, straight-A student, and a gifted speaker. She had won an oratory contest the day before she was murdered.
0: Wow, there's no telling what that little girl would have grown up to be
1: People describe Megan as this sweet kid who never had a harsh word for anybody. Everybody just loved her. And Sherry's life was dedicated to her family. She was a wonderful wife and mother. This is just a picture of this wholesome, all-American, heartland family. Right. Just good people. The kind of people that would give you the shirt off their back.
0: Yeah, these are the kind of people that see you broke down on the side of the road and not only help you fix your car if it couldn't be fixed, take you home, let you stay overnight, feed you dinner. I mean it's them type of people.
1: Yeah, these are just really good people. Oh my Sherry God. was active in her church, really active in her kids' schools, you know. I mean, just
0: That makes me so sad.
1: Picture perfect mom.
0: That's horrible.
1: People really respected this family. The murders were a real blow to this small town. Hours later now this is March 28th, 1998, these murders happen. Just hours later in Dyer County, Tennessee, a man knocks on a woman's door and asks for directions. He then pulls a gun on the 25-year-old who is home alone with her three children. He tries to force his way into her home. She's wrestling him, trying to close the door, does yeah. you know, wants to protect her family. She's the last line of defense would. between
0: her Her kids and this monster. He fires
1: a single shot. It struck her arm. He then flees the scene, jumps in a maroon-colored van, and drives away.
0: Oh, my gosh. She saved her life.
1: She was able to provide a description of the assailant, and a sketch artist was able to put together a composite drawing.
0: Oh, my gosh. She saved her life and her kids' life.
1: Now, at this point, all they know is they have this sketch, and that he was driving a maroon-colored van.
0: Now, this is hours later after he killed his poor little girl and mom on the farm. Yes. My God, he's just out of control at this point.
1: Police start, like, kind of nicknaming him Mr. Maroon.
0: Okay. Because
1: he's in this maroon-colored van. Okay. Testing shows that the same gun that was used in the Sharer shooting was also used in that Dyer County shooting.
0: So they're wanting to find this damn guy.
1: A partial DNA profile was developed from evidence at the sharer home, but it lacked enough markers for entry into CODIS.
0: Yeah, and in 98, that was still pretty in its infancy anyway, DNA period.
1: April 12, 1998, not even two weeks later, Brashers is arrested in Arkansas after trying to break into a single woman's house. Okay. They speculated he had done some handyman Work for this woman, so
0: he knew she was single by herself.
1: Yeah, and he Familiar tried to break into her property. house. He's caught. He's arrested, but he leaves the state. He's on the road, on the run.
0: So what? They let him out on bail or something?
1: Yeah, he gets arrested, gets right out of jail again.
0: So many times they had their hands on this yeah. monster. Yes.
1: Yeah. January thirteenth brings us to the hotel standoff in. Can it, Missouri? There are active warrants from that Arkansas break-in. Police had been attempting to arrest him on those warrants. They see the stolen tag on this vehicle. They have a suspicion it's Brashers in oh, this so, motel with his family. I was
0: wondering why he had the damn... Because he'd been on a damn crime spree all over the damn... Yeah, okay, I, now I understand It's all why,
1: starting to come together. Why
0: he has the stolen tag? What the hell?
1: Well, little did cops know, as they're having the standoff with Brashers, they think they just need to serve these warrants and arrest him on these outstanding warrants in Arkansas. I have
0: no idea.
1: They have a serial killer in their midst. Yeah. These cases were featured on America's Most Wanted because up until this time, these are all unsolved. The Jenny's a Tricky case in Greenville
0: is a cold case. And that was brutal.
1: Here we are nine years later, still unsolved. The Sherry Shearer and Megan Shearer murders, unsolved. The shooting in Tennessee, the rape in Tennessee, all unsolved. So these cases were on America's Most Wanted. It wasn't until 2018, very recent, that investigators reached out to Paraben Nanolabs, which is a DNA technology company. The company combines DNA testing and genetic genealogy to establish relationships between individuals and ancestors.
0: Oh my god, yes. I mean, that's a big deal right there.
1: Investigators were able to obtain some DNA samples from Brasher's daughter, Deborah. Remember, she was only seven when he committed suicide. The forensic STR testing results indicated that Robert Brasher's was indeed responsible for these crimes.
0: All those crimes.
1: Some cold cases... I mean, you know, you can go 30 years, 40 years. But with these advancements in forensic science, they are able to determine through these DNA tests who's responsible. Wow. I mean, they could take your daughter's DNA, Dylan, and bust
0: you. Why did nothing?
1: It's pretty cool to see how these cold cases are being solved Yeah,
0: some people will be like, oh, big brother, this and that you know, but they're solving cold cases, y'all, and that's a big deal in my book. They're giving closure to families after decades, sometimes decades, like you said, and um, I don't see that as a bad thing. Now, could it be manipulated and taken in a whole, you know, way over the top and used against the populace? Sure, of course, a lot of things can. Hell, your damn Google location on your phone can but...
1: So, these 12 ah. cases that were nearly 30, 30 years old are tied to brushers.
0: So, um, let me ask you. You said it was featured on America's Most Wanted Together, all these cases. So, investigators had an idea that all this stuff was connected already. Is that right? Well, I think or... what
1: happened is they had these different unsolved cases. Okay. And, like, did Jenny Tricky and then they had the Sherry and Megan Shearer shooting. Right. And they didn't necessarily know they were tied. Ah,
0: they were just a, they
1: were just individual cold cases that happened to be featured. Oh, okay, that see, that's what turned out to be connected to the same. Well, guy. that's what
0: I was wondering if they were featured. Hey, we have this clump of crimes, and they think it's the same man. But no, it's more like individually they were featured, and it turns out through this one uh, breakthrough in DNA, they solved all those cold cases at once.
1: Interviews with his daughter Deborah. Pretty interesting. I mean, here's a woman who, she's having to reconcile her feelings, her understanding. Yeah. This is a father that she barely knew. Right. Spent a lot of her life in prison. Seems like an okay dad. He's
0: gone. You know, off doing his thing, too. Kills
1: himself. Yeah. When she's very young. And now, investigators are approaching her, hey, can we get your DNA?
0: Yeah, I guess. Why not?
1: Well, she was very willing to help. I mean, right. She definitely was like, I want to help get resolution for these well, families. she
0: wants to know more about her father, too, in in, in, a, in a way, you know.
1: Like... She said during interviews that she felt in her gut that her father was guilty ah. when she was approached initially. Right. She just knew that you've got the right man. Yeah. And she felt like she had to help.
0: That's... Wow. That's a crazy story. So
1: not only do they have the DNA, which matches Brasher's to these crimes, but the timeline and locations of the crimes matched Brasher's schedule during those periods. Huh. He was in Greenville, South Carolina, working at the same time that Jenny Zatricki was murdered. Right. Doing handyman work, construction types of work. Wow. His body was exhumed. September 27th, 2018, so that additional DNA could be collected, but Brasher's DNA matched. Wow. I mean, they've said there's no doubt that Brasher is responsible for these unsolved crimes. Damn. Through rehabilitation, it is possible for some people to go to prison, be rehabilitated, if you will, be released back into society and never commit another crime.
0: Yeah, plenty of people do that.
1: Right? But it's Quite clear that Brashers was a man who was just given too many opportunities and managed to slip through the cracks time and time again.
0: For whatever reason, he was this way. He did. I mean, he's a monster and he was not going to stop. He was not. And he put it into himself. But if he had had another opportunity, and I think at that point he'd had this done all this, you know, close together and knew they were hot on his trail and, uh, as a coward, took you know took his own life, so he didn't have to face life or death and, and all that in jail. But uh, yeah, he he was never going to stop. No, and there's some some people out there like that.
1: And clearly, he had no impulse control. I mean, no. he spent five years in prison, and within just a couple of weeks of getting out of prison, he is on a crime spree. He's
0: dying to do it. He He's can't help He's sitting in prison and thinking about it. His frontal lobe is all fucked up.
1: He just can't help himself. Guaranteed, he could have been. He rapes this girl. Yeah. Fourteen years old. Kills a mother and daughter and then rapes the twelve year old? That's next level. Like we oh, talk about that sometimes. Well, yeah, I'm just surprised
0: up. I haven't heard more about this guy.
1: I know. He is kind of one of those hidden serial killers that you yeah. really don't hear a lot about. But I thought this was such an interesting case. It is. Especially given how here we are all of these years later. And it's DNA technology that is solving these cold
0: cases. Yeah. Can I tell you about? Uh, I don't know if you've heard about one of the latest breakthroughs in DNA. They can actually take the DNA and basically do a composite profile off of it. They can tell you race, likely eye color, likely height,
1: hair color,
0: hair color, and some, some a, a few other things. And now that's amazing. It is amazing. They can take these unknown DNAs, you know, unknown source. And look at it in this certain way. I don't know all the particulars. But I just thought that was amazing. They can give you basically back a profile. And they can even tell you like the patterns of what your eyes would be and all this shit. And that could really help in the future on some of these cold cases or these unknown crimes. Can really help steer the cop. They could have this big list of suspects. And once you say two, you know, olive skin or fair skin or whatever. All these different things. You'd be like, ooh, I could really trim that damn list down. To where they can really refocus on these people and put pressure on them.
1: Well, and again, being able to link the DNA genealogy testing to relatives. Yes. I mean, isn't that how the Golden State Killer was called? Was through the same type of technology?
0: Certainly is. And uh, some other high profile deals. But, and I tell you, with all those breakthroughs and the forensics and all that, gets a lot of uh, people talk about that a lot nowadays. But being able for investigators, because we see this time and again in these cold cases. Once once they really get you know focused on someone and keep going back on them, they can they that's what that's who breaks these people. That's where a lot of these cases get broke wide open. Once you just you, mean
1: these investigators who really won't let go. Yeah,
0: and so these are all just tools. It's just that to help focus determination these, yeah, and
1: tenacity. Yeah, and, of, I'm going to figure this and out. And their
0: mind and them digging through a cold case and finding this one little tiny angle to come at someone. And once they get them in there, two, you know, two or three times, I hear that all the time, boom, they get that pressure on them, and they, they either start conflicting stories. And then I I just listened to a dateline. It was like 25 years later. This man had been killed, and they had this woman who had been involved with him. She's like, oh, I've tried to help. She'd give DNA and all this stuff over the years. And they found this one little angle to get her back in there after 25 years. And they ended up able to bring... Uh, Charges against her and make she basically broke. So I think that's amazing. I think it always falls back on the investigators, are still a key part of this, is what I'm saying. Right. Good that's, investigators. What I think
1: it's so fascinating with this case. I keep using that word fascinating. Apparently, I need a thesaurus today. <sighs> so someone throw me a fucking thesaurus. That's okay. very interesting. It is because the investigators in South Carolina, in Greenville, had this cold case almost 30 years old. Right. This poor woman murdered in her own home Left brutally in this very
0: strange.
1: And they were fashion. not gonna give up no. trying to figure out what happened to her. Those
0: are those cases. They are the
1: ones that linked up, hey, we're gonna take this to this paraben nanotech company. And oh we're wow. I mean they were like, we're gonna do this. And then they able they were able to link up with like the Tennessee right. um, Bureau of Investigation yeah. and these other agencies. Hey, we're gonna we're going to do something about this. And, and it, we're able to is. link it to all of these unsolved crimes. And I just think that is such a cool story. Yep. Terrible what happened to these people, but I'm so glad that at least these crimes are solved. All those And families. now we know that this man was leading this double life.
0: Yeah, and it brought some kind of closure to the, all those families involved. And they at least know who did this monstrous thing to their loved one
1: and at least he's dead
0: but yeah like you said I mean it,
1: there may not be justice in the form I of like that
0: I'm glad he's dead a trial I would be glad yeah
1: prison or death penalty that. but he's dead so at least we know he's not on the streets well, he's no longer committing these crimes hey, because this is obviously a person that is not gonna stop
0: no and you don't have to live your life worrying about appeals every damn five six years or however that works. And and just worrying and always being in your thought, in your head, this monster is going to get back out and do it to somebody else. There's finality there. Finality there. And if it wasn't for those investigators, pushing, 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 pushin', who knows if it ever been answered? True. Kudos. All right. Wow. Good story? Oh, it's an incredible story. I'm over here. I'm just kind of like, oh, shit. You know? <laughs> I
1: know. It's- yeah. It's really interesting. No,
0: you dug up a gem there.
1: Well, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Mountain Murders. We've been talking about Robert Brasher's serial killer.
0: Wow. I'm blown away.
1: If you love Mountain Murders, can't get enough of us, you can become a patron. Sign up on Patreon. Find Mountain Murders podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can support the podcast. We produce extra content. Bonus episodes. We're going to be doing more as this new year progresses into 2020. We have a lot of ideas. We'll be getting a new camera soon. We're going to have some videos. We're going to make
0: them look at my ugly face.
1: Yeah. So okay. it's going to be a pretty exciting year for Mountain Murders. And uh, we're just glad that you guys tune in. We're going to keep plugging away. I have some very interesting cases coming up.
0: Oh, you've been down the rabbit hole. I can't even find it. I'll be going looking around the house and be like, where the hell is she at? You over hiding there with your damn notepad and your Laptop all your resources and, my phone
1: and, yeah. and I know.
0: Yeah. So uh yeah, we got a lot of good stuff coming out for you guys.
1: As we talked about it, Dylan gets really fired up when we were sitting down to record.
0: <sighs> That's because I know I'm gonna hear a great you're story. you are
1: so passionate about it. But see, I'm like the passionate one that's in the corner with like all my stuff. Yeah. My little Sherlock Holmes hat. Right. My little magnifying glass.
0: Yeah, she's like, hmm, hmm, interesting. Well, interesting. Yeah,
1: so, yeah. Are you the Watsons? in my Sherlock?
0: I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess I'm more of a um, like the Will Ferrell. What's his face? I'm the goofy Watson. What's Watson wasn't goofy in the books, right? I don't think so. No, I think everything was more serious. Yeah. Maybe I could be the Jew law. Watson to your Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock.
1: So, what have we been doing lately? We we can, we can wrap up a little bit here with we watched that Aaron Hernandez documentary on Netflix. Okay, so that
0: was pretty good.
1: That was wow, interesting. A lot I didn't know about him.
0: I didn't know any of that stuff. I mean, for the most part, right? I just no. knew the look. I mean, I had to give it to the Netflix, they really dig it. And yes, they, you know, if been accused of. We we're crafting this narrative. Well, that always happens with every documentary, let's be honest. But uh, I tell you what, they don't play her out. It was
1: great. So if you are looking for a good like, true crime docuseries, you want to get into something, you're looking for something to watch, I highly recommend that. You i haven't seen it, right?
0: Yeah, and I still recommend Wild Wild Country, that cold out in Oregon. That's oh, yeah, a crazy that's story, and it, they called his ass in Charlotte.
1: Have you been listening to any good podcasts? Dylan oh, I was going to mention for some of our listeners.
0: You brought you reminded me of a great one I listened to that was very interesting when you were talking about the daughter coming kind of coming forward, wanting to know about her father. It's called The Clearing. Oh, yeah. So if you guys hadn't listened to The Clearing and you want to hear just a, a daughter dig back through the past, you know, with some help from people, uh, it's very interesting. Yeah.
1: A couple things I've been listening to that I would recommend. Um, Bad in the Boondock. Oh, yeah. They're out of South Carolina. Yeah. So they're down in the South Cacolac. Of course, okay. North Cacolac's better because we're on top.
0: Boom. Well, I mean, but yeah, hey, sometimes maybe they're fighting from the bottom I'm down just there. just
1: kidding. So Bad in the Boondocks, a really cool podcast if you're looking for something else to listen to.
0: Yeah, I'm going to dig into that this weekend at work. They're
1: a Southern podcast. They dig into some really out there cases. Wow. They're funny. It's a father and son team. Okay. They're entertaining. You got to check them out. Yeah, I'm going um, to. also. I've been listening to a podcast called Framed. That's good. That is a great podcast. Um, yes. It looks into a, one specific case and kind of digs really deep into what happened to oh, this man. teenage the... boy who was probably murdered but vanished some years ago. That it's,
0: story's crazy. It's
1: really a good story.
0: That story, the reenacting the court transcripts and stuff, word for word. Love it.
1: If you want to laugh, page seven.
0: I <laughs> told you. I it's
1: hilarious.
0: It's hilarious. Jackie Zabrowski, Marcus Parks, and Molly. I can't say her last name. They're hilarious.
1: Yeah, if you like last podcast on the left, which we are fans, you gotta check out page seven. Now they mostly just talk about pop like culture. pop culture, Hollywood, celebrity news, but it's funny.
0: You know what I like to do? Very I listen funny. to the serious dark part podcast and I mix page seven in in the middle. Right? And right. then I'll go, but it's such a great break from the really serious and having to think about. Yeah.
1: We listen to so much true crime. Right. We both are just true crime addicts, but on occasion, we need a little something to cleanse our palates.
0: Yep. And if you need a little nerd culture, I love me some Wizard and the Bruiser.
1: Yeah. I've been listening to those guys, too. That's uh, another great podcast. Pretty great. So there's a few recommends for you from Mountain Murders.
0: Oh, shit. I feel, girl. I, mm, yeah. I feel good. I see
1: you dancing over there. Yeah, sure. I got this thing moving, doing my little washcloth dance. Oh, God.
0: Little baby washcloth. No
1: helicopter, okay? This is being recorded. There
0: ain't going to be no helicopter. Okay,
1: y'all. I'm going to try to rein him in. You guys have a great week, and we'll be back with more True Crime.